Good evening, everyone. I think we should try that again. That was a little rough, I think. Good evening, everybody. Did everybody get their naps this afternoon? Raise your hand. Oh, all right. Bless people. Amen. That's great. Now, it was awesome uh, to go up to the Sawyer Lord Conference. We uh, appreciate the invitation of Pastor Miss Janice. It was, it was awesome um, to just hear uh, men who took a stand and sometimes what that stand cost. Um, you know, we are thankful for our pastor and taking a stand. But again, we understand by taking a stand, there is a cost for that stand. I also learned this week uh, how godly Miss Janice is. She loves the Olive Garden, amen? So what a blessing that is. I, I knew she was godly, but I didn't know she was that godly. So praise the Lord for that. And then um, I'm trying to think what else happened. Um, we did go to Slim Chickens. Um, Slim Chicken or Chickens? Chickens. It was awesome. But uh, if you, I, I, some people ask, how, how did it go? I, I said thoroughly enjoyed it, but if you did not leave that place changed and wanting to serve the Lord, there is something wrong with you. So um, praise the Lord for God, godly preaching and uh, teaching. If you would, turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and we'll be looking at verse number 1 tonight. John 15, verse number 1. Uh, we, we've learned a lot about me in the last few Sundays. Uh, fire, um, that's bad, but it is fun, right? Fire is bad, but fun. We also, when I was a teenager, not so much now, not so much now, but I also enjoyed adrenaline. How many of you guys like to do things just for the fun of it, just because it scares you a little bit? How many of you guys like that? All right, yeah. So when, we were a teen, when I was a teenager, our youth pastor took us to a place where there were zip lines. We already know me and zip lines don't usually work together. But we, it was a zip line. I was lighter then, and this was okay for me to go on. And so we get on this zip line, and they warned us that at the end of the zip line, you had two options. You could either climb down this post. Um, I think there was stairs. Actually, it was stairs. Or you can jump and be bungee jumping down to the bottom, and there would be somebody that would unstrap you from the, um, you know, the harness there. And so I'm with other kids. I'm there with girls. I'm there with guys I grew up with. And I could not rightfully drive home on the bus after youth group with these kids saying that I walked down the stairs. I didn't want to go, but I did it. So we zip line across, and there is my good friend Ben, and he is also scared, but he, he shows a little bit more than I did. So he gets over on the edge, and we are now backed up. We have about 20 more kids behind us, and he is standing there on the edge, and he looks at me and says, Joe, I don't want to go. I said, Ben, you got to go. It's either that or you take the stairs. He's like, Joe, I don't want to go. And so I did the only thing a good friend would do. I pushed him. <laughs> And so that was fun. And then I got what I deserved because I also got to the edge. And somebody didn't even give me a chance to even look down. I got shoved by my youth pastor, and I fell down. I didn't even have a time to even think about what was going on. But I enjoyed that. I got down to the bottom. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And then it was over. But how many of you guys like roller coasters? How about roller coasters? Fantastic. I, I went to a Cedar Point with some friends. Have anybody heard of the top thrill dragster, the top Thrill, Dragster, Cedar Point. Phenomenal roller coaster. Again, I did not want to go on it, but I was there with friends, and I felt the pressure to do what I didn't want to do. This roller coaster was not a normal roller coaster. It went from 0 to 120 miles per hour in 2.8 seconds. And it wasn't like loop-de-loop, -loop and then that's it. It literally just went and down. That's it. It was crazy. So I'm like, okay, I can handle this, right? 
talking myself into it. I'm watching, I'm in line, and as it goes, you can feel your body being pulled along with this ride. And I'm thinking to myself, do I really want to do this? I didn't want to do this. And then it came to be such a long line, it turned dark, okay? It's now dark. And how many of you guys know what happens in the dark with bugs? Anybody? Anybody know what happens in dark and bugs? Well, bugs start congregating around the lights. And we didn't realize this, but we start getting on this ride, go from zero to 120 miles per hour, and I feel dunk, ding, 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 all over my face. I'm like, maybe that's just my face vessels or, I don't know, blood busting or something like that, and blood vessels, I don't know what that's. And then I get down, and I look over to the person next to me, and they smile at me. And all through their teeth are black little bugs and wings and nasty things. And I realized what had happened. We get on the ride again. We go for a second time. And I'm like, okay, I can do this again. But this time, I'm going to make sure I close my mouth. We get on a second time. And there must have been a malfunction because we get going 100, 0 to 120. And we don't make it up the hill. It, it is a big hill, ladies and gentlemen. And we just stop and we fall back down. I was scared to death. Why? It's because of that ride, okay? The ride that was supposed to have enough power to get you up there didn't have enough power to do what it was supposed to do. And I believe today, as we get into this message, that there are many Christians that are hindered, stopped, and stuck because they lack the power of God. And I'm scared. I'm, I'm concerned for our churches and our nation because Christians do not have the power of God in their lives. And you might say, well, you know, Brother Joe, you shouldn't really be concerned about these things. You know, it's not supposed to worry about these type of things. I said, but I'm thinking to myself, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Amos, Hosea, Moses, were they not concerned for the children of Israel when they did not have the power of God? When they were not convicted by God, when they weren't living their lives by God, and so what did they do? They cried to these people and asked them to repent, turn to God, be filled with the Spirit. And as I look across this nation tonight, I am telling you that I am concerned because there is a lack of power of God. So if you would, if you're able to, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word as we go to John chapter 15, verse 1. And as we get to verse 5, I'm going to ask that you read that aloud with me, verse 5. The 5 of chapter 15, and we begin in verse number 1. I am the vine, and my father is the husbandman. Each, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Verse 5, let's sit, read it together. I am the vine. Ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Let's say that last part again. For without me ye can do nothing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for how good you've been to us, Lord. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you will fill us with your power tonight. That Lord, as we come in contact with you, as we read your word, Lord, that you will convict us and show us ourselves in the areas that we need to fix, Lord, and that we can examine ourselves, Lord, and see if we are filled with your power. Lord, I pray that you fill me with your spirit as I preach your word tonight. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. On the night of his crucifixion, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, and, 
Have you ever just left somebody before? You've gone on a trip and you, and you leave them and you're going to miss them. I've gone on many trips and I've had to leave Betsy uh, by herself. And so what do we do? We, we prolong the goodbyes, right? You know what I'm talking about. You know, you, you keep your fingers out a little bit as you're walking back and you're walking away from them and you're whispering and you're blowing the kisses and you're catching those things and you, and you, want, you want to spend as much time with them, right, as you can because you're going to miss them. You, you want them to know that you're going to be going away and that you care about them. So I can understand, I can imagine what Jesus is feeling as he is now realizing he's going to be leaving his disciples and what was about to approach. Judas had just left the upper room to betray him, and now his disciples are concerned. They're, they're freaking out. They're, they're, they're not sure what is going on. And Jesus stands up and he says, Arise, let us go hence. And as they're walking, I, I know, I know there has to be heaviness in his heart. Can I can imagine as, as he is realizing what is about to happen, he's going to leave his disciples. But as he gets to the garden a place that he's been countless times to pray, I can imagine as he looks over to his right and there he sees a vine growing, flourishing with much fruit, doing exactly what it was designed to do. And there he turns to his disciples and he says this, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth me and I in him, the same that bringeth forth much fruit, for without me... Ye can do nothing. Tonight, I believe that God wants us to have his power tonight in and on our lives. But that only happens by abiding in him. We're going to look at three truths tonight. The first is the source of our power, the purpose of the power, and the warning of the power. So if you're taking notes, and I'm going to encourage you to do so. Number one, the first truth is the source of our power. Look with me now in verse number one of chapter 15. The Bible says this. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Jesus says, I, I am the true vine. I'm the source of your power. But do you understand what he's asserting here? It's, it's nothing like uh, me coming up to, let's say, my brother-in-law, Jared, and saying, listen, Jared, I'm a truthful tree trunk. How are you doing today? That would be weird. You would say, you shouldn't do that. I would not do that. And you might say, I would do that. I would not do that. It's not, it's not just some blanket statement that he's saying. It's not just saying, hey, I'm a vine. No. When Jesus says this, he is quite literally asserting, telling his disciples about his deity because he's bringing to mind them the book of Exodus where Moses asked God, who shall I say to them that sent me? What is his name? And God said, I am that I am. I'm the all-sufficient one, the everlasting God, the one who was and is and evermore will be. I'm the true vine, and I am your source of strength. I'm your power, and I am all that you will ever need. But he doesn't stop there. He continues by explaining to them, saying, And my father, my father is the husbandman. And the husbandman of a, a farm or field was that person who was in charge. He was the planner, the one who would cultivate the land. Now, a, a good husbandman would, uh, works the earth. He cultivates his plants, and he naturally expects them to produce the fruit with the amount of effort that he's placed in or invested in them. And just like a husbandman puts in the work uh, and expects fruit for his labor, our Heavenly Father, the divine husbandman, seeks to produce fruit through us as we abide in Christ. Do you understand what that means? 
Do you understand what a privilege that we have to be part of Jesus Christ, to be able to abide in him? There was one time Betsy and I went to D.C. We went to um, Connecticut for a wedding. That was a very crazy place. How many of you guys been to Connecticut? Anybody? It's, it's a different world up there. But anyways, uh, we decided I've never been to D.C. before. And so Betsy and I are like, you know what? We're going to make a day out of it. So you'll see, if you look on my Facebook stock, it, you'll see me on a scooter, a very big guy on a scooter like this, just riding around D.C., having the time of his life. But we were now towards the end of the day on Capitol Hill. And uh, there was a lot of construction going on. And there was this bell that was ringing. And it was going ding, ding. Ding, and I look over to Betsy and I said, what in the world is that? And she's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I said, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's construction or something going on. And the guy next to us in a suit, he, he looks to us and says, no, that means that the house is in session. And so he seems like a nice guy. And so we start talking to him and seeing how he, uh, some things about him. And I look over and he's very, very, very kind man. I said, do you, do you work here or something? And, uh, you know, I should have known by the suit. I really should have. And uh, Betsy looks at him, and she has this little goofy smile on her face. And she's like, do you work in the gift shop? And uh, he says, <laughs> "Yeah, no, I'm a senator. <laughs> you see, if I would have known he was a senator, I probably would have treated him a little bit differently. I probably would have been scared, a little bit nervous to talk to him. Uh, his name is actually uh, Tommy McClintock. He's a Republican uh, senator from California. Not, not often you see a Republican California senator, but he was. Super nice guy. Follow him on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook if you want to do that. But he's a great guy. Anyways, I would have treated him differently, right? A little bit, a little bit nervous. Why? Because he, he, he is a guy of position. But how much more awesome is it that we have access to God? Would we not be acting different? Would we not be responding different? Because we have the true vine. We have the source of strength and power. He gives it to us freely without reservation. And God says, I'm the husbandman. And I'm working in you for a purpose. I am, and I'm, listen, I'm telling you, I'm so burdened. Because Christians across this country and churches do not know what it means to have the power of God. You see, salvation is not a direct ticket to a party train to heaven. Salvation is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Salvation is not a promise of posterity. It's not a, pro a prosperity. Salvation is not, being, is not being just given whatever you want. It's not just being, hey, I'm now saved and this is it. Salvation is being bought with a price. Salvation is having a purpose. Salvation is denying yourself, taking up, up your cross daily, and following Jesus Christ. Which leads us to our second truth. The purpose of the power. The purpose of the power. Look with me in verse number 2. The Bible says this, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Because God is our husbandman. He looks at his true vine, and he desires a great to do a great work. It's not like, 
God just sat there and just let things happen. God did a great work so he could produce a great work. And he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, to be the propitiation of our sins for the entire world. And then he sent his spirit to indwell us that we might be able to have the power to do the work that he has placed us on earth to do. That's an amazing truth. Isn't it amazing that we have the opportunity to serve God, that we quite literally have God indwelling us? But God did a great work that he might see a great work. But that, what, what's the purpose? What's the reason? The reason is this, that we might bear fruit. Now hear me now. This is only done, only done, by abiding in him. Now, the Lois did me a great favor by bringing me one of their vines from their house here. You see this thing? Can everybody see it? Pretty, pretty big. I uh, accidentally came up to Kevin, and not, it was an accident. I won't lie on, in the pulpit. But uh, I put this on his neck. and scared, scared him so bad. It was great. Um, but, yeah, this is, this is awesome. This is a vine. This is what it looks like, right? But let me ask you a question. This vine, what can we do right now? To cause this vine to produce fruit. What can we do? Anything? Um, has anybody got duct tape? Anybody got some duct tape out there? I think we got some duct tape. We can duct tape an orange to it. Make it, is that orange vine? No? I think it's a grapevine. Anyways, we could put, a duck, we could put uh, some orange on it, but that's not going to make it produce fruit. It'll just have some fruit dangling from it. But what can we do as Christians right now? Could we pray over this vine? Will that cause it to produce fruit? We have it here in church. Is this vine going to produce fruit? No. The only way for this vine right here to be able to produce fruit is to be attached to the true vine. This branch right here has to be attached to the nutrients, to the power, to the resource that it needs in order to grow and to produce the fruit. And we, as Christians, can only have the power of God in our lives by being fruitful and abiding in Him. And But what are those fruits? What does that fruit look like? What, what does it sound like? Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And I believe this firmly, that if we truly love God, if we are in love with God, and we love Him enough to serve Him and devote our lives to Him, to be in His Word, to do what He's asked us to do, this is going to be a direct result of our love because our love will outpour through our lives. So somebody said it like this, that all other eight fruits can be put into one word, love. Joy is love exalting. Peace is love in repose. Long-suffering is love on trial. Gentleness is love in society. Goodness is love in action. Faith is love on the battlefield. Meekness is love on, at school. And temperance is love in training. And I'm telling you today that if we truly love God as Christians and realize what he has done for us and want to serve him with our lives, we are going to have an outpouring of love for others in our lives. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time at all, you realize that even if you do have the fruit of the Spirit, even if you are walking with God, you have never arrived, right? At least we will never arrive until we reach glory. 
And that is evident even what Jesus says in verse 2. Verse 2, he says this, Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. See, he, it's not the brown branches that he's talking about here. It's not the dead, lifeless branches that, he's, that are leaning off to the side that he's talking about. It's the branch that is producing fruit. Now, you might say, wait a second, if the branch is producing fruit, why does it need to be purged? Well, it's an interesting thing about grapes, and I had to look this up because I did not understand this at all. But from what it says here, um, fruit on a branch only produces once, and that branch is the new year's growth. So the new branches form on last year's canes and buds. So what the husbandman, the cultivator, has to do, he has to trim the branch, remembering where those canes and buds are on the vine, so that those next year's growth will be able to shoot out and grow from those places. This careful pruning, okay, allows for the vine to produce the best fruit possible. Yeah, it did produce fruit, but it needs to produce more fruit. And if the vine is not pruned, if it's not purged, then what happens is it becomes the, um, unhealthy and actually will ha uh, produce small and undeveloped fruit. And those branches become useless. So what does God do? He purges the branch in order to cleanse it. And you know what? We need cleansing sometimes. There, there, yes, you might be producing fruit, but God might want to purge you and cleanse you and cause you to produce more fruit. Or sometimes this happens. We allow sin and filthiness in our lives. And God has to cleanse us and purge us in order for us to produce fruit. Galatians 5.14, if you would turn there with me. Galatians chapter 5, verses 14. Galatians 5.14 says this. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If we examine ourselves, we would see, yes, there are areas in our lives that need to be cleansed. Listen, even Paul wrote here, he said, and such, like there are so many things that the flesh lusts after that is constantly in rivalry with the spirit that tries to creep in and devour us. And if we are not careful, if we are not on guard, if we are not constantly steadfast in looking, the lust of flesh will creep into our lives and areas will become dirty and they will need to be cleansed. And listen, when we do that, when we cleanse those areas, we can be used by God and we can be fruitful. And that's why Jesus said in John 15, 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now the only way that we can be cleansed, that we can be purged, is by being 
in his word. By being in his word. Listen, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And sometimes God, that means that God has to cleanse us. He has to trim off some of those areas in our life that won't produce fruit. You might be producing fruit, but he might say, you know what? I have a bigger plan for you. I want you to produce even more fruit. So I'm going to trim and purge this area. Because let me ask you this. What use does a fruitless branch have? What use does a fruitless branch have? Which leads us to our last truth, the warning of the power. The warning of the power. Look with me in verse 6. The Bible says this, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Verse 2 begins by saying, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit is taken away. And then verse 6 says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men are gathered them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. See, I see two different types of branches here. I see a branch that is abiding in him but not bearing fruit. And then I see a branch that is not abiding in him that beareth no fruit. And sadly, there are two different types of Christians that Jesus is talking about. There is a Christian that is abiding in Christ but is doing nothing for him. And there's a Christian that is not abiding in Christ and is doing nothing for him. And you might say, well, who are these Christians? Well, the Christian who is abiding but not thriving is the Christian that might be serving. He might be coming to church. He might be still doing the ministry, but he has lost the fire for God, the passion for souls, the passion for being God's word, the passion for bearing more fruit is gone, but he's still abiding, but he's just not thriving. And the second Christian is the Christian who is hiding and dividing. The Christian who is hiding and dividing. Now, this Christian has let sin consume them, infiltrate their heart. They have given themselves over to the fleshly lusts and the desires of this world. And they tell stories, you know, how Christians are, are hypocrites or how God has never really done anything for them. And instead of bringing people to Christ, they're quite literally pushing them away. These are Christians who no longer want the things of God and they're disgracing the saving grace that they've been offered. These are those that we know who have slipped out of church, no longer in church, no longer reading their Bible. They no longer have the standards, no longer dressed modestly, no longer talk like a Christian, no longer quite literally give God the glory through their thoughts and actions and speech. And if the world saw this Christian... They won't even know they're a Christian. They are hiding and dividing. But sadly, for those Christians, those that are in him and those who are not, they have the same outcome. I'll ask you this again. What use does a fruitless branch have? What, what use does this branch have? The answer is None. And so a branch that is not bearing fruit, a branch that is dead, shall be gathered up and burned. It is useless. Isn't that sad? Doesn't that break your heart? Doesn't that stir you to want to do something, to tell others, to get them to change, 
to say, hey, listen, you can have the power of God. I need the power of God. I want the power of God. Because, listen, the book of Judges tells us a story about a man named Samson. Now, Samson was greatly used by God to protect Israel, judge the Philistines. And even though Samson was used by God, even though his life was given to God and God had, had purpose for Samson, Samson allowed sin to creep into his life. And as the areas of sin he began to tolerate, he was now diving deeper and deeper into the sin until he is now consumed by his own fleshly lust. Now, Samson is never recorded to have want to be cleansed, to repent, to be purged. Even when his father talked to him and said, is there not a woman here in the land that you could have? Why does it have to be this woman? Even when his father talked to him and tried to get him to wake up, he did not repent. And the Bible says in Judges 16.20, And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. He wished not that the Lord was departed from him. Isn't that sad? How many Christians are abiding in God but do not realize that the Spirit has departed from them? That they don't have the power of God on their lives. Listen, they have the indwelling spirit of God, but they don't have the power, the abiding power to produce fruit. See, we have a purpose. And when we do not fulfill that purpose, we are useless. And Christians, our life is not our own. We are bought with a price. In other words, there is a reason that God hath redeemed you. And that is that you might be conformed into this image of his son, that when people look at you, They don't see you, but they see Jesus Christ. And in every aspect of our lives, may we reflect Christ. Because why? Because he is our source. He is the vine. He is where we draw that power. He is the fruit. And the fruit doesn't just point to us as branches. Think about this. Joseph in his life, all the crazy things that he went through. He was sold into slavery. He was tempted by his boss's wife. He was thrown into jail. And all those things that happened to him, we can look at Joseph and say, oh, that's a great man, but that's not what happens. Joseph himself said this, you thought it for evil, but God, but God meant it for good. We think about Peter and Paul. Paul, with all the things that he went through, the shipwrecks, the beatings, the stonings. But yet, Paul, even as he writes, he said, listen, it's not I, but it's Christ that liveth in me. And as we look at a tree, and we look at the branches and the vines and the the branches there, we don't say, oh man, that's a nice looking branch. Look at all that fruit that that branch has produced. No, we look at the tree and say, wow, look at that tree. Because even we realize that that tree, that vine is where that, that the fruit gets its nutrients. It gets its energy. It gets everything that nece- has a necessity for. It gets its power from the tree and from the vine. Jesus said this, I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same that bringeth forth much fruit. Catch this. For without me, ye can do nothing. And we cannot do anything. We can't without our source of strength. We cannot bear fruit without him. And you might be sitting in your seat and wondering, you know what, Brother Joe, that's true. I need that power. How do I become spirit-filled? How do I bear that fruit? And the answer is simple. 
The answer is super simple. We sing songs about it in Master Club. We sing songs about it in Junior Church. Read your Bible, pray every day. Pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day. And you'll grow, grow, grow. You might say, well, there has to be more. No. Because as you open up the mind of God, as you read the pages of Scripture, you begin to understand His will for your life. Your heart and mind will become aligned with His. And no one has to tell you that you're doing wrong because the Spirit will convict you of the wrong that you're doing. No one has to tell you to get up and serve because God tells you that you need to fill that need. No one has to tell you to love and have mercy and to forgive because God says, have mercy, love, and forgive because I have forgiven you. And no one has to tell you, get out there and witness to somebody. Because as you get in line with God, as you get in love with God, as you abide in God, you will have a burden for souls. Look with me in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Wouldn't it be an awesome thing if we fulfilled our purpose as Christians? Wouldn't it be an awesome thing if we actually bore fruit that we were living with the power of God in our lives, wouldn't it be an amazing thing if we brought glory to God with every single thought and action and deed? You can. How? By having the abiding power of God in your lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed.